0: Early on, we taught our children the importance of saying please and thank you. I know how I feel when folks share words of appreciation with me. When we express thanks, what we're doing, in addition to showing gratitude, we are remembering someone's act of kindness. The power of saying thank you. And in in Psalm 33 today, we're going to see this again and again. The power of thank you. Uh, Thank you is a reminder that when we worship, we are saying thank you to the Lord. Look there in verse 1. Sing for joy in the Lord, all you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Uh, Sing praises to Him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. The righteous ones are commanded to sing. You're commanded to sing with joy to the Lord. It's a command. The way, the way that this is written in the original language, there are markers in the language that, that notate the, the cases or the tense of, of the of the verb, and these are commands. These are what are called imperatives. It's a command to sing to the Lord. To rejoice in the Lord, you know, praise is becoming to God's people. It's beautiful and it's inspiring to hear you sing. It's inspiring. We're to give thanks to the Lord. It's again, it's an imperative. It's a it's a command to sing praises to the Lord. To make music—that's actually a command too. To make music. And the psalmist says with a with a harp of of ten strings, and of course the guitar player me, I'm thinking, okay, a guitar has six, and a bass guitar has four. There's your ten. <laughs> uh, but then I don't think the psalmist was being that specific to that context. The word lyre is used, and it's the the musical instrument. It's an early string instrument, the lyre. It's like the harp, and the harp was regarded by the Hebrews as really fitted for sacred music. And we see the importance of music and worship throughout the Old Testament. I'm a musician, so this, uh, this really grabs me. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, as there is an attempt to, to move the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, David and all the house of Israel, and that means the whole nation, they're celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments. There, there's lyres and there's harps and there's tambourines and there's castanets and there's cymbals. And much later on, in First Chronicles chapter 25, as, as Israel is making preparation to, to worship in the temple, in First Chronicles 25, we see that King David set apart for the service some of the sons of Asaph, and he's one of the, the worship leaders. And these ones who were set aside, they are to prophesy with lyres and with harps and with cymbals. They were trained in singing to the Lord. All the relatives, all the cousins, all who were skillful. And their number is actually in the hundreds. So you've got hundreds of singers, hundreds of musicians... And they're leading the charge here. And years and years later, following the exile of Israel, Nehemiah leads the Israelites who, had return, who would return to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall in order to protect the city. He would bring them back. And the wall was a big deal. It would provide security against enemies, natural predators, nature itself. And the wall would be a symbol to those who hated Israel that the Lord was indeed with this remnant of Israel who had returned from exile. And the wall was something for which to give thanks to the Lord. In Nehemiah chapter 12, we see that at the dedication of this wall of Jerusalem, the Levites, who were one of the original 12 tribes, they're the worship leaders, they're sought out from all their places, they're brought in to Jerusalem so that they can celebrate the dedication of the wall with joy, with songs of thanksgiving, with songs accompanied by cymbals and and harps and lyres. And in Psalm 33, we see that we're to sing to the Lord. We're we're commanded to to sing a new song. We're commanded to to give a fresh expression of praise. There's a command to, to play skillfully with a shout of joy, uh, playing skillfully, playing, playing well, spending time, what we used to say where I'm from, in the woodshed, making sure you can play those notes. Playing well, being ready, being, being rehearsed, playing with intent, playing with focus, shouting with joy. Think about how much greater the sound with both instruments and, and voices together a writer named Ellicott he wrote that the loudness of a thanksgiving song was regarded as as an indication of its hardiness we we've heard singing in churches where everyone sounds like wimps have we not we've heard that before and it's just not very hardy it's not very exuberant my god is a mighty god that i mean does it does that speak to god no We're commanded to to sing with joy. Heartiness. Psalm 100 says to shout to the Lord, all the earth. And and this is where we, we actually got the words to that classic worship song of yesteryear. Shout to the Lord. It's from the Bible. Now I want you to flip to the very end of the book of Psalms, to Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Does this sound wimpy? Absolutely not. (laughs) Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and, and flute. Praise Him with cymbals. What kind of cymbals? Loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Everything that has breath shall praise the Lord. Woo! Stand up and shout. (laughs) This is not some lecture on on worship and instrumentation. But we need to see how central worship was to the nation of Israel. Worship is many things, but I see two things primarily in this psalm. Worship is to shape... On one hand, to shape the relationship that Israel has with the Lord. And on the other hand, it's an outflow of that relationship. So it, it, it feeds into it, but it's also a result of. Um, and Old Testament worship patterns are consistent for the church today, and they're needed for the church today. And we should value worship to the same degree here in the Christian church. We're worshiping the Lord. We're worshiping Jesus, the Messiah, the, the, the fulfillment of all the prophecies and all the promises we see in the Old Testament. We're commanded to, to sing to the Lord. We're commanded to play to the Lord with skill and with volume. Be it piano or, or organ or, or violin or saxophone or electric guitar or drum. We have a biblical model for it. As my grandmother used to say, it's biblical. Why thank you is a reminder. When we worship, we are saying thank you to the Lord. The power of thank you. The power of thank you is a reminder of what the Lord has done in creation. Look there at verse 4. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. And, and I told you last time as we were in Psalm 31 that in the Psalms we see an accurate depiction of God and His character, His attributes, righteousness, justice, loving kindness. And, and loving kindness is God's promised loyal loyalty to His children, His faithfulness. Verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their host... He he gathers the the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps and storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it was done. He spoke and it was done. He, He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. The actions of God. His words are upright and they bring action. And we see this at the very beginning of the Bible. The very beginning of the book of Genesis. You know the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, God spoke, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. A little bit later, God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to to separate the day from the night. And they shall serve as signs and for seasons, for days and for years. And they shall serve as lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. God said, And it was so. And in Psalm 33, verse 7 this morning, we read that the Lord gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. And this this points back to the beginning as well. In, In Genesis chapter 1, Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse, separated the waters, and it was so. God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God said, and it was so. The actions of God, they they nullify and they frustrate. Look there at verse 10. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. In Psalm 2, it begins with a question. Why are the nations restless and the peoples plotting in vain? Some of your translations would, would, would say, why do the nations rage? The, the kings of the earth, they take their stand. And the rulers, they conspire together. And see, when I think of conspiring and plotting, I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, we, we've seen movies and shows and cartoons where you have the, the supervillain that's, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're conspiring, you know? And the rulers are doing this. And and what do we see? We see this. They're conspiring against the Lord and His anointed. And the Lord sits in the heavens and He laughs. Look at verse 11 this morning. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart from generation to generation. These actions of the Lord, they inspire fear and awe. Verse 8 let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. What has the Lord done in creation? We just saw it. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it, and it, and it stood fast. There's power in the spoken word, isn't there? We, and while we don't have the same Uh, not to the same degree as the Lord the Lord spoke and it was so I think for us we forget the power of our words too Uh, for good or for not uh, we need to be mindful of our words they have they have power hmm The power of of thank you is a reminder of what the Lord has done in creation. Blessed is the nation, there in verse 12, whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen for His own inheritance. It's a unique relationship the Lord's people have with the Lord. All because of Jesus. Jesus. The power of thank you. The power of thank you is a reminder that that the Lord is sovereign over all. Verse 13, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, he who understands all their works. Look at how the Lord is described as as all-seeing. He's described as all seeing, all creating, all understanding. All the sons, of, he sees all the sons of men. He can see all the inhabitants on the earth. He has fashioned the hearts of them all. He understands them all. Why? Because he made all. He spoke, and it was so. Verse 16, the king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. What's this about horses? King David said in Psalm 20, some praise their chariots and some their horses, but we will praise the name of the Lord our God. What was on the mind of David when he said this, what was on the mind as well as the writer of this psalm today, I think they were remembering a time in their history, in their nation's history. Do you remember the story of the exodus from Egypt? When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in order to go to the promised land, which the Lord was preparing for them. In Exodus 14, the Pharaoh and his army, they're chasing Moses and the Israelites. And the army of Egypt is behind them. And the Red Sea is before them. And what happened next? Moses reached out with his hand over the sea. And the Lord swept the sea back and turned the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. And so the nation of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And the waters were like a wall to them on their right and on their left. Then the Egyptians, they took up the pursuit and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen, they went in after them into the midst of the sea. And the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians and and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. And this this happened all through the night. And and the Lord said to Moses, Reach out with your hand over the sea, so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. And and so Moses did, and, and while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it, Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the the chariots and the horsemen. Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them, not even one, remained. So the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore, when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And as the next chapter begins, in Exodus chapter 15, Moses is leading the Israelites to say in worship, Thank you. Exodus 15 begins this way. Moses and the sons of Israel, that's the entire nation, they sing this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. The horse and its rider He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. His, the Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army... He has thrown into the sea, and the choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The waters cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. The Lord created horses, just like He created guitars. And we see in this psalm that he he created great strength. He he created strong armies and militaries. The Lord has given storehouses of plenty. The Lord has even made 401Ks. We're thankful for all that the Lord has created and provided. But where will we place our ultimate trust? In the blessings he's created and given? or in the sovereign creator himself. The power of thank you. The the power of thank you is, is a reminder of the Lord's faithfulness. Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, who respect Him, on those who hope in His loving kindness. And what is loving kindness? It's the Lord's loyal, promised faithfulness to His children. And what does this loving kindness accomplish? Loving kindness, the Lord's loyalty, will deliver those who hope in him. Loving kindness accomplishes salvation for the soul. Loving kindness can yield provision where there's none. So, so how does this happen? Look at this last section, please. Our souls wait for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart rejoices in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in You. That last verse. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in You. His promised Loyalty to us, His covenant loyalty to us. The Lord's loyal, promised faithfulness to His children is according to, is because of hope and faith and trust in Him. And He's done this through Jesus. Jesus, the promised Messiah. The sinless Son of God went to the cross for us. Taking the sin debt which we all have, Jesus is the only one who could pay that. Jesus, God made flesh. God took our sins upon Himself. And when He did that, He gave us His righteousness. The Lord's loyal, promised faithfulness to His children is according to, is because of the hope, the faith, the trust in what His Son has done. And this only is realized through the righteousness of Jesus. It comes from Him. Jesus, who knew no sin... He's the sinless Son of God. He knew no sin. He became sin for us so that we might be given His righteousness. We would be given salvation through Him to have a a relationship of peace with God. See, it's not how righteous or how good we, we might think we are. It's because of how good He is. There in verse 21, if we trust in His holy name, if our hearts rejoice in Him and His salvation, if our hearts trust in His loving kindness which He offers us, He will be our help and our shield in this life and our eternal home in the next. This instrument which protects... This shield, which we just saw, this shield, this covering is only realized because of an instrument which kills the cross. It's only because of the cross and Jesus' blood shed upon it that we can be covered, that we can be shielded, by His awesome, amazing grace. On the cross, Jesus, the sinless Son of God, became sin for us so that we would be covered in His righteousness alone. The power of thank you. The power of thank you is a reminder of the Lord's faithfulness. Really, what more could we say? (laughs) But thank you.